We're going to continue our, our series about the greatest commandment. And this whole month, we've been unpacking love to, in the extent of the different forms of love through the Greek words. And we talked about brotherly love and we, through phileo love. We talked about, uh, last week, eros love got a little hot and spicy, right? And this week, we're going to be talking about storge love. I don't know if I'm supposed to say it with like a kind of a little accent there, but Sorge, storage, I don't really know. I didn't take the time to look up the, the proper way to say it, but y'all get what I mean. And this, this word is, uh, is the focus of family love. And I gotta be honest with y'all, when I first started preparing this message, I got, I was getting a little triggered. <laughs> y'all know what I mean? Started thinking about childhood traumas and neglect, man. And I, I had to refocus myself, cause I started talking myself out of the message. Like, I'm not the right one to, to give this message. And I, I had to remind myself that I'm not, just sharing message from my experiences. I'm sharing message from the Word of God. So it really helped me feel refreshed. The idea of family can mean a lot of different things to people depending on their upbringing and circumstances. Y'all think what I'm saying? It can feel like a safe place for some people or it can feel like a place you have to keep up your guard for other people. And even when it comes to our current walk in life, we either can attribute the, the success or happiness of our lives right now because of our family support, or where we're at in our lives currently is despite the family we had. And it's, it's become this, this essence, this topic to where people can either feel triggered or completely find normal when it comes to the topic of family. But what is true, no matter what kind of family you had growing up, we all have some type of family, some type of family, whether it's blood, whether it's people uh, that you grew up with, people that you would consider like your family, we all have some type of idea of family. And today we're going to talk about love in regard to our families. And we're going to unpack reasonable levels of stewardship for our part in family We're going to learn what it means to accept our family members for who they are. And we're going to look at our time and attention being the most valuable thing that we're able to give to our families. And this topic is important to talk about because no matter who you are or what your upbringing was like, family is something that we all either get to experience or had to experience. It's a pivotal role in our personality and character, but so often we either don't fully appreciate what we do have or we have a hard time finding peace in our adulthood because of family and our views on family. There is a greater peace and purpose that we're able to find when we when we realize our pivotal role in how to love our families. That being said, let's get started with our first point, and that is, there is no one like family. You are a steward of how you treat your own family. You're a steward of how you treat your own family. See, one powerful aspect about family is that they are unique to you as an individual. Consider that out of all the billions of people in the world, you got these ones. These are the ones you are either stuck with or get to live with. And it's easy to write off your level of responsibility because of your familiarity with these people. You spent most of your life with these people, so you don't necessarily always consider the high level of responsibility you have as a family member. And consider 
that God designed family in a way that no matter the role, the family, each family member is responsible over each other and the way that they treat one another according to their roles. Let me share this verse to unpack that. In Ephesians 6, 1-4, through it starts off by saying, Children, obey your parents in the Lord. Honor your father and mother, which is the first commandment with the promise, so that it may turn out well for you, and that you may live long on the earth. So, let's pause here. This is usually what we typically get when it comes to family roles, is honor your parents. It's one of the commandments, and, and that's usually what we will hear and receive, especially if you're raised in church. It's like, well, you need to honor your parents. Even if you got like some toxic parents, like, well, you're supposed to honor your parents. You don't do that very well. It, it's like this idea... And we have to honor. And so often, that has been received as just this one-way street. That, that it is a single, single role that children are just supposed to honor their parents. But look at the next, the next verse says, Fathers, do not, do not provoke your children to anger, but bring them up in the discipline and instruction of the Lord. Another version says, do not provoke your children to wrath. Now, some of y'all just got like, felt like some explaining happened in your childhood. Like you just understood yourself more. It says, do not provoke your children to anger. And this is directly after the verse is saying to honor your parents. Even in scripture, we see these pivotal roles. There's, there's something, every role of family members is unique. But there's something very special about a parent-to-child relationship and vice versa. And in this instance, it is showing a two-way street. That just as much as the child has responsibility to the parent, so does the parent have responsibility to the child. And we see time and time again, this kind of flow and exchange between family members when it comes to uh, uh, advice and instruction within the Word of God. There's another passage in Scripture where God literally, the, the Word literally says, and husbands, love your wives so that your prayers are not hindered. It's talking about how even the way we treat our spouses affects our spiritual walk. I could pull out verse after verse, but to, to emphasize that we both have a part to play in this relationship when it comes to our family members. We often don't, we often just look in this unilateral sense at our relationships with family members and what they are doing or what they are not doing. And we're focused on just what they, them and their role and what they could possibly do. But we cannot control other people, especially our family members. We can't. And we know that. And yet we continually bang our head against the wall in trying to push them to be like someone else, to push them to do things that we wish that they would do, rather than being frustrated at their stewardship of your relationship to them. Look at what you want to do. What kind of family member do you want to become? Forget about them. Consider that you have control of yourself. How do you, you feel like they never call you? Well, be a family member that calls others. Y'all dig that? There will be a day in which we all look back on our lives and, and we'll look at the exchanges that we had with people closest to us. And I would urge you to choose today what you want those exchanges to look like for yourself. What, what do you want it to look like 
for, from you to your parents, from you to your kids, from you to your siblings, and so on. Focus on how you want to be to them. Whether they make it easy or whether they make it hard, you decide what kind of fam- family member you want to become. Y'all dig that? Now, that being said, I already know family can be complicated. Amen. Amen. You're able to enjoy your family once you're able to accept your family. To unpack that, one of the most common obstacles to overcome in regard to our family relationships is our expectations for the different individuals and their roles to us. Just what we just talked about. We get most frustrated, whether it's wishing that your parents were more like this or that your kids were more like that, that your siblings were more like this and that, we become most frustrated when it seems like these different family members just don't change. But at the end of the day, it's not your role to control them. And I'm not trying to project that you wanting a nurturing mother is controlling. What I am projecting is that those kind, those expectations on that person are maybe it's reasonable, but it's not realistic. They are their own person at the end of the day, and they have to learn how to make their own decisions because you will never be able to truly do that for them. I think we often see this most when we have our own kids and we want the best for them and we can see decisions that they make and think that's a really terrible decision and I'm trying to save you the heartache that I once experienced that I know will be bad. But it's that same kind of expectation across the board in all different types of family relationships. And this, I want to share this next verse because I feel like it really personifies what I'm talking about. When Jesus resurrected from the dead, he, he ends up addressing Peter and kind of having this conversation with him where he, he finds his re-established relationship with Christ and his commitment to Christ. And he pretty much tells Peter, one day you're going to be crucified like I was. And he's like kind of telling him part of his purpose and part of his future. You're going to be, you're going to experience martyrdom. And, and as Jesus is saying that, pretty heavy, you know, future telling, but this is Peter's response. He, he looks at John, the other disciple, and it says, So Peter, upon seeing him, said to Jesus, Lord, and what about this man? Jesus said to him, If I want him to remain until I come, what is that to you? You follow me. So Jesus is pretty much saying, worry about yourself. <laughs> That's what he's telling Peter. Now, this is between fellow friends and disciples, but Jesus called them like brothers. They're, they acted like brothers in Christ. And so I feel like it's very applicable to our family members. Is that so often we're looking at these different family members, their roles to us, and even in our prayer life, we're telling God, what about them? What about them? And we may be justified in being concerned in how they are behaving or how they're living. But what I believe is that if just like in this moment, what Peter is really doing is he's deflecting his role. What Jesus just told him. And being as heavy as it was, he's deflecting and trying to look at somebody else. What do we often do? We often compare to others, right? And 
as complicated as his family can be, do not neglect your own part in, in this, this transpiration uh, of worrying about what other people are doing to you. Let, let me share another verse. In John chapter 13, verse 34 through 35, Jesus says, I'm giving you a new commandment that you love one another just as I have loved you, that you also love one another. By this, all people will know that you are my disciples if you have love for one another. Now, what I'm, what I'm getting at, I'm saying worry about yourself, but what I'm really trying to say is that you will not be able to single-handedly change anybody's mind. It, it, people can change, don't get me wrong. But how often have you heard a story to where parents were trying to tell their, their kids for years X, Y, or Z? Not the strip club. I'm talking about like the... <laughs> I'm, and they're trying to, to get that across. And then one day, the kids come to their parents and say, Oh, I get it now. Mom, Dad, it's this. And the mom and dad are like, What the hell? I've been telling you that all your life. What do you mean you're just now getting it? As much as they tried to get them to get it, they couldn't get it until whether they were ready or they had to hear it a different way. It's like they had to have their own little journey to finally get it. doesn't mean that we throw up our hands and don't try to guide our kids, but what it shows is that sometimes instead of getting so frustrated that they're not changing, that they're not getting it, maybe we should rest ourselves on this verse and love them. I have found in my own story and many other people's stories that when we learn to accept our family members for who they are, as they are, it, it is a type of unconditional love. And when you do that and love them anyway, you actually end up creating a door that can always be open to you. For the day that maybe they do want your advice, maybe they do finally listen to you, they, I think sometimes it's, they don't, people don't care about how much you know until they know how much you care. And when we operate in love, like this verse is saying, look at how it says, all people will know that you are my disciples. When you love your family members, they will know when they're ready, they will know who to go to. They'll, they'll know who was there for them, who loved them. Consider for your own lives, who are some of the most meaningful people to you? And it was those often who simply loved you even when you were at your worst. Y'all dig what I'm saying? And we can be that to our family members. Rather than hoping for your family member to change, just instead accept them as they are. It doesn't mean that you're approving of their lifestyle. It doesn't mean that you're approving of their decisions or their behavior. But you are letting go of these expectations over them. And I think that sometimes those expectations are often unrealistic. It, it makes me think about a family member I had and their role to me, I, I always just wanted and yearned for them to be like nurturing. And for this specific role, a lot of people are like that. It's like common for that to be a normal expectation, a reasonable expectation. And I would be so angry and even borderline hateful because they would never fulfill this quality of being nurturing. And when I realized just one day 
Why am I expecting them to behave in a way that I have never seen them behave? I had an unrealistic expectation for them. And when I let that go, I was able to enjoy what I did have with them. I didn't feel constantly frustrated as I was wishing and hoping that they would change. I was able to, to save what was there. And I was able to have the, the love that was available. And would it be great if they, they perhaps they changed and, and, uh, and behaved the way that they should? Yeah, that would be nice. But you will be able to appreciate so much more now by accepting them in this unconditional loving way. With that being said, it, that doesn't mean at all that you should accept abuse. I'm talking about something like plain Jane dysfunctionalism, okay? I'm not talking about toxic abuse that is damaging you physically or your mental health. You are not called to be anybody's punching bag. You're not called to be format. And if they are unsafe or overwhelmingly toxic for you, you should stay away as much as needed. Take, take like the airplane approach. Okay. The, the airplane approach wasn't say that if in the event of extreme turbulence to put your oxygen mask on first before you worry about your family members. Sometimes you just got to do that with yourself. There, there might, you may love them and want to be there for them, but Maybe you're starting to get a little mentally unstable too, emotionally unhealthy too, because you can't take it right now. You're already too stressed out. And as you are trying to be their savior, it's making it worse for you. Let your oxygen be good. Let your life be in a stable place before you position yourself again in harm's way. And if at any point... You, you realize that this, these boundaries are just crossed. This is, this is not good for me. Take a step back and readjust. Remember, you are not called to be anyone's punching bag. You are not called to be abused by your family members. Y'all dig that? So let's, that way we have a balance of accepting our family members, but not accepting that kind of treatment. Y'all feel me? Now I want to talk about one last thing. And that is time for family time. There's no other thing more valuable than your time. Nothing in the world can compare with your time. While we can get caught up and even overwhelmed by different ways in which we can love, help, or appreciate our family, the most important and valuable thing that you could ever give them is your time. And no amount of gifts, no amount of favors, no amount of gestures can compare with the simplicity of time. And at the end of our lives, that time spent will be all that we care about. Y'all feel me? Let me read y'all a couple of verses to emphasize what I'm saying. John chapter 9 verse 4 through 5 says, We must carry out the, work of, the works of Him who sent me as long as it is day. Night is coming when no one can work. While I am in the world, I am the light of the world. This is Jesus talking as he's doing miracles and stuff. Let's, let's apply what he's talking about to our lives. I think that a lot of us are, have lived long enough to realize that when life is good, there's probably some caca along the way, right? Life has ups and life has, has some downs. When you're going through a bummer season, it's likely to turn up. 
Not, well, not like, like turn up, but like, it's likely to get better. And, and Jesus is talking about how in that present moment, he is walking with him. The Son of God is walking among the earth with you. But there will be a day where the night comes and the daylight will not shine. Boy, was he not joking, right? Just look around. Let's, let's focus that on our family. There are times where family is good. And there's times where family is not so good. And what I think we should pull from this verse is to value and appreciate the daylight while it is available to us. To foster and nurture and that's available with our family members, with our loved ones now, because circumstances can change and you may not be able to have that kind of daylight like you once had. A, a perfect example, married couple that has a baby. Boy, does that daylight change. Be, it, it, I, I, before we had kids, me and Lauren would go on a date every week. Friday night. All pl- anyone that would ask me to do anything, I would borderline give them the middle finger as I declined and said, no, I have a date with my wife. After kids, though, I think I, sometimes it almost feels like we're about to file taxes more often than we're having dates. Like it's, It is hard to have dates when you got three kids. The, the, the daylight shines differently. And it is exponentially more difficult to find the lights within your marriage when you have have kids kids are often an acronym killing intimacy during sex and i said i wasn't going to talk about sex today but killing intimacy at all kids do it it's when me and my wife are just driving in the car and i have this little hope like oh this will be like a nice little drive and i can just have a conversation with lauren every time lauren opens her mouth to talk it, it's like a conspiracy. That, hey, it's okay. It's okay. Every time Lauren opens her mouth to talk, without a doubt, like it, it, it's like voodoo stuff. One of the kids is like, Mommy? Mommy? And, and being a mother, for me, I'm the like mean old dad. I'm like, wait till mommy's done talking to me. Lauren's like, what is it, honey? And they don't got nothing to say. They just, um... Uh, uh, I'm just in my head like, son of a gun. <laughs> How dare you? <laughs> I, I've, um, where are we going? Or even worse, why do we drive cars? <laughs> Look around, kid. <laughs> you want me walking? Like, it's self-explanatory. <laughs> see, they just, but see, the, I'm getting off. I, that was a little passive aggressive. Let me step back. What I'm getting at, is that things change. And the things that seem easy now might not be so easy later. If without, I feel like every single time that we've done marriage counseling for couples, almost every time they're going through the roughest patch within the first year of their marriage, uh, within the first year of them having kids. It's like they, they were together for years. They could have been high school sweethearts and all of a sudden they have a kid and when the first year is like, I just don't know if we're going to make it. Like, it's Kids just change things. Uh, again, I'm going to step away from kids. Let, let me give another example. When I think about the idea 
about not knowing what tomorrow brings. Look at these other verses. It, it says in Proverbs 27.1, Do not boast about tomorrow, for you do not know what a day may bring. In Colossians 4.5, Be wise in the way you act towards outsiders. Make the most of every opportunity. If the Bible is saying to make the most of every opportunity with strangers, how much more should we make the most opportunity with our family members now? It, this time, time is the wisest thing that you can invest in this world. We often trade it for money or an education in hopes of getting more money. We, we trade it for binge watching Netflix. We trade it for scrolling to watch people's stories that we don't even care about. We, we squander our time. And while there's nothing wrong with you making a living and there's nothing wrong with you, with, with you having a chill out day, a chill out moment, you will surely regret squandering your time on things that will come and go. Things that, that have no lasting benefit to you. And if it ends up stealing too much time from your family, you will regret it. And this isn't to, to say that we become foolish in handling our, our responsibility. I'm not saying that we should just quit our jobs so that we can spend every waking moment with our family members, but to be reasonable, give a reasonable look at your time investment and find areas which we can give our family that quality time. Look at this in Ecclesiastes 3, 1 through 2. There is an appointed time for everything. There is a time for every matter under heaven. A time to give birth and a time to die. A time to plant and a time to uproot what is planted. And I, I think that we should be more aware of the seasons that we're in with our family. The last thing I'll share is from my relationship with my dad. Growing up, that was not good at all. I would, uh, uh, many of y'all know, I would just, as, even as a teenager, I would just leave home and I would just be out on the streets. I would sleep outside, steal for food, and I wouldn't talk to my dad, who I was supposed to be living with, for weeks at a time. We, we did not have any deep conversations. It is like when we did talk to each other, it was, it was like high and by. Do you want to do this? No. It, it was just like no relationship at all. Some other things within that, but I won't go into details, but it's just, it's, it's non-existent. There's even one time when, uh, when I remember specifically saying we were having an argument, the little bit of time that we had a conversation, and I said the words, are you joking? I don't even have parents. I said something along those lines. And he said back to me, you want to be like that? Then I don't have a son. So we disowned each other. <laughs> and so in the last years that I would be, Living with my parents, we, that's the kind of exchange we have. Thank God I gave my life to Christ and I had this, this unction to reconnect with my dad. And praise God that, that the forgiveness I experienced through Christ really resonated with me as I, I, as I extended it to my family members. And I started looking at my parents as as ministry that of my role as a son, how can I be a better steward of this? And to make, uh, again, to make that long story short, now I talk to him almost every day. It, it, it's, it's this, it's this area where I, even this idea of expectations of letting go of what kind of dad I wanted him to be, 
versus what kind of dad he was. And once I accepted that, it's like we were able to connect on a different level. And when I'm talking about seasons, this is what I really want to emphasize. Right before we moved here to start this church, I had a, a, a well-paying job and I had made a budget to save X amount of money before we made this huge life decision to move and start a church. But I felt impressed on my heart that I needed to quit my job and go, with, uh, go work with my dad at his shop for the last nine months that I was going to be in Del Rio, Texas. And I'll be honest with you, I doubted that calling. <laughs> I, it, it, some people think like, oh, that's cool, like working for your parents. When people ask me about like my resume, like, well, what was it like working with your dad? What, what is it that you would do? My response is, when I worked with him, I did every, nearly everything and anything besides prostitution. <laughs> Whatever he asked of me, I would do. And it was sometimes very dangerous asks. That at some point, I was crawling on the top of a roof, of a 10 metal roof with no safety equipment or anything, and it was slippery, okay? <laughs> like, there's, like, why am I running a network cable to this sign? <laughs> I have no, I don't even know what I'm doing. All that to say, I, I decided to, to follow the Holy Spirit's leading, and I, I go back, and that, those nine months is when our relationship melded so close together. To where I look at that as being the most pivotal time in my entire life in which I grew closer to my dad. To where now, when I, my biggest win, whenever I get like a big win in life, or whether I have a big bummer, he's the person I think of calling first. Talk about, we didn't even talk to each other growing up. But because I was able to recognize this season, and later I realized that this is the last time I will ever be able to work with my dad this closely to where I see my dad on a weekly basis, on a daily basis. I'll never have that experience again. Looking at our kids, so often in the high school years, parents often throw their hands up like, well, they, they don't need me anymore. They, they have, kids go there, like start going to clubs and groups. It's like they get, they start finding their independence. And most parents kind of take their hands off the wheel and then they're breaking down crying as their kids are leaving the college because they realize that the last years that they had with their kid, they let go prematurely. Y'all feel what I'm saying? Recognize the season that you're in. Babies, I'll never have my babies, babies again. One day they're gonna, right now I'm a superhero. One day they're gonna, they're gonna think that I'm a loser, that I'm, that, that I'm not cool. Even though that's, of course, a poor judgment call on their part, that's the reality of what kids go through. Your siblings. Is this maybe a season that you, maybe it's right before your brothers and sisters get married and no one talks to each other as frequently. Maybe this is the closest you'll ever be to them right now. Appreciate the season you're in and use your time wisely. Be wise in considering the seasons. Did you just get married? You'll never have a honeymoon stage again. Did you just have a baby? You'll never have though that year's infantile stage with that with, with that specific kid again. <laughs> Are you parents in their last years? Your kids may never live with you again. Will you ever be this close to your siblings again? Consider these different potentials of your family season within reason as you make the trade-offs in your life. And the biggest season to consider is the, the season of your walk. Is that season started for you? Because that, that becomes a lifelong journey. 
And if you have not considered the time of eternal salvation, consider this final verse, 2 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 1-2. through And working together with Him, we also urge you not to receive the grace of God in vain, for He says, at a favorable time, I listened to you. And on the day of salvation, I helped you. Behold, now is a favorable time. Behold, now is a day of salvation. And if you have not had that moment, that time in which you came to God, so often we consider that time to be like on our deathbed and we give God the very last parts of our life as like this, this doggy bag of scraps of time. Say, now I'll give my life to God. After I've, I've tried to search for joy in all of the world through all the pleasures of sin, but now God, I'm ready to give myself to you as life. Isn't there more life with the creator of life? Is there possibly more potential of abundance of peace and joy connected with life itself. And if you have not had that kind of moment where you made that choice and that decision, I would urge you to consider that maybe today is that day. That being said, I want us to bow our heads and close our eyes. In order to start that, that walk, that journey, that relationship, the Bible says in the book of Romans that it starts with a simple conversation. It says, if you believe in your heart and confess with your mouth that Jesus is who He says He is, surely you shall be saved. What it's saying is, if you have a genuine heart and talk to Him yourself, acknowledge who He is, the Son of God who died on the cross and rose from the dead. It's saying to have the simple conversation where you talk with your Creator, with your Savior. You don't need me to lead you through a pretty prayer. You can talk to Him yourself. And that's all it takes to start this journey with Him. That being said, with every head still bowed and eye closed, if that is you and you feel this pulling on your heart that you need to make that kind of choice today, I want you to raise your hand. I see your hand. Amen. So no, right there to yourself, I want you to have your own conversation with Jesus. Like I said, you don't need me to lead you through a pretty prayer. You can just simply talk to Him yourself. I want you to have a conversation with Him to start that journey and that relationship today. Now, while they're doing that, for the rest of you, if you feel like this message was for you today, you feel like God is giving you a billboard sign that the Holy Spirit is talking to you. This is what you needed to hear. With every head still bowed and eye closed, if that's you, I want you to raise your hand. I see all your hands. So now I'm going to pray for you. Holy Spirit, I pray that you cause these people to experience your power, that you cause them to experience the trueness of your presence, and that whatever it is that you are speaking to each of them uniquely and individually, that you would affirm it by your Spirit. That they would feel the presence of God from head to toe, and that they would feel the peace of God reaffirming what it is that you are saying. Make them sensitive to your voice and go with them today. In Jesus' name, Amen. Thank you for being a part of the Gravetop Church online community. I hope that today's message inspired you and that it made a difference in your life. If you'd like to connect with our church or if you'd like to donate towards our mission, all you have to do is go to gravetopchurch.com and find the Ways to Connect tab or the Donate tab. Either way, I'm so grateful for you being a part of today. Until next time, have a great life.